Hey, welcome to another episode of the If You Mark in Your Bible podcast. I am Josh, your host, and today we are looking at Psalm 124. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the If You Mark in Your Bible podcast. This podcast is associated with the Scattered Abroad Network. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and check out the episode notes below for contact information, including websites and where we can be found on social media. Again, thank you for your support, and let's begin our Bible study. As we mentioned, we're looking at Psalm 124, and with us today we have Haston Hadley, the preacher at the Pine Grove Church of Christ in Fulton, Mississippi. Haston, will you tell us something about yourself? Yeah, uh, as Josh just mentioned, I'm Haston Hanley. I am the minister at the Pine Grove Church of Christ here in Fulton, Mississippi. I am a 2016 graduate of the two-year program at Memphis School of Preaching, the 2017 graduate of the uh, missions program at Memphis School of Preaching. I've been here at this work for uh, starting my fourth year uh, just a few months ago, and well, about six months ago now. And I'm married to my wife, Chloe. We've been married coming up on five years. And uh, I'm a producer at the Scattered Abroad Network, where Josh is uh, now uh, working with us. And uh, we're so glad to have this awesome podcast on the network. Uh, but other than that, I'm just really excited to be here. Well, thanks again for coming on. Um Again, we've said it before, but we'll say it again. I know this takes time, and so I'm very appreciative of the time people have dedicated uh, to doing that, and Haston uh, is no exception to that. As we mentioned, we are looking at Psalm 124 in just a brief context. Uh, song, or the psalm was the inscription, uh, says a song of a sense of David. There's no reason for us to believe that David did not write this. Uh, I believe he did, and when you consider the the premise of the psalm, uh, when David wrote it, there are a number of times during his life when he could have written this. He's being pursued by Saul. Uh, he he battled Goliath, and and that was a moment. Uh, while he was very confident in that moment, uh, I think he was very cognizant of the fact that, from a, a worldly perspective, he was outmatched. Uh, but with God behind him, he knew that. Uh, victory would be his. Uh, the rebellion led by Absalom uh, against him uh, could have been another moment. There are many areas where uh, David could have written this. Uh, one thing we do know, though, is that it, Hezekiah seemed to have adopted this psalm in order to talk about uh, the, Insir the onslaught or the siege of the Assyrian army upon Jerusalem in Second Kings chapter 19. And we can see how that would fit perfect from this deliverance from that would fit perfect uh, with this psalm or this psalm would actually probably convey a great message uh, being delivered from that. And I think that's one reason we enjoy the psalms. That's one reason we relate to the psalms is the psalms provide for us words to express emotion and feelings that we may not be able to express ourselves. And, and I know I've written read many psalms in many trials and it just seems that sometimes i read a psalm and i'm like that's what i was trying to say even though i wasn't able to say it uh, based from an emotion or, or a grief standpoint so looking forward to this hasten you have anything to add to that um 
like you mentioned uh, a moment ago, this is considered one of the songs of ascent or songs of degrees, depending on which translation you're using. But uh, this would have been historically a song that was uh, sung and chanted and remembered every year as they would go up the mountain to Jerusalem uh, for their worship days and their sacrifices. Uh, so this was one to really get their mind back focusing on the Lord, uh, prepare their hearts and their minds for the sacrifices that they were about to sacrifice. So it's when we read the context or the uh, contents of it, there really is that mindset of turning back to God and, and giving God the glory because uh, he's the one that deserves all the glory and all of the praise. A uh, great point, and uh, with that, I've bracketed uh, the first five verses and just simply put the protection of God, and then bracketed the last three verses, six through eight, and put the praise of God. So one through five mm-hmm. is going to talk about the protection of God, and as a result of that, verses six through eight, there's praise of God. So excellent yeah. point. Starting in verse one, it says, If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side when the people rose up against us. What do you have there, Hasten? One first thing I thought of is, you know, the, the song we sing. Some people sing at camp, some people sing in worship. But the song that pretty much goes verse by verse for the first five verses focusing on the glory of God. But we really see the connotation of recognizing that the Lord was the only one that could do the things that's going to be mentioned here in a few minutes. God is to be the one given the credit for all of these things. I also really like uh, the phrase, now may Israel say, or now let Israel say, the idea of not just David being the one trying to give praise, but having all of Israel realize that God is the one to be praised verse 2, to realize exactly who uh, David is talking about, whose side the Lord was on. And, you know, throughout uh, David's life, like you mentioned, the first thing that popped into my mind about uh, God being on David's side was with Goliath. In fact, First uh, Samuel seventeen forty-five through 47, you're looking at a man who is twice your size. Some historians and archaeologists believe Jews of that day would have been about five foot. Goliath was pushing ten foot. So you have this large man, and David stands up and says, God is on my my side. God is the one that's going to give you into my hands. So that confidence of David being able to say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, you see that idea of truthfully, he is the only one that could do most of the things, if not all of the things that Israel had to overcome through the years that they were, you know, going against all of these people, overtaking the promised land, standing against Goliath, and and even in the times of the kings, uh, such as Saul and David. The kingdom grew and it prospered in that time. So you have a great time and instance of that thought of it being on 
the Lord who blessed them with all of those things. And uh, I like that you pointed out the let Israel's now say. Yeah. Go, yeah. go ahead. I was just going to say uh, I've got tons of tiny little verses uh, scribbled all over my Bible program, like Psalm uh, 129 and verse one, just a couple chapters later. That's another instance of David saying, or the psalmist there saying, now may Israel say, you have all of these times that uh, that thought of pointing to the Lord is mentioned throughout the Psalms. That is great. And like, like I said, I like you pointed out, now let Israel say, I put Psalm 34 and verse 3, uh, yeah. come let us. Uh, come magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And, and that's that thought that, that David is bringing. It's, and I think there's a portion of where David believes that his voice is not enough to worthily attribute to God the praise that he deserves. And so his, right. his focus and his desire is to bring uh, everyone uh, that he can into that as well. I also right. underline that phrase in both verses two, uh, one and two, uh, had not been the Lord who was on our side. Uh, and what's interesting about that is that's the past tense of the word Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us, and here uh, God was with us, and, and it's the past tense of that, which is, uh, I think, a significant note to make, uh, pointing. Uh, Emmanuel obviously pointing to, uh, from an Old Testament perspective, pointing towards the uh, coming Messiah. Uh, right. Not only God in his omnipresent uh, state, but God actually coming uh, into uh, the world and dwelling among men, John chapter 1 and verse 14. Also circled the word if at the beginning of 1 and 2, uh, stressing uh, that this is a situation, a hypothetical situation, uh, that did not take place. Uh, David is reflecting upon what could have been had God not been there. Uh, right. And I think sometimes that's a, probably something we could do as well in, in our lives. What, 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 where would I be if God did not put this situation in our life? Where would I be if God did not put this person in my life? Where would God be if God did not bless me with this either hardship or uh, joyous time, whatever it is. Uh, sometimes it may do us well to reflect back on those things as well. You have anything else on the first two verses? I suppose I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, that last statement of verse two, when men rose up against us, kind of like you were saying, it shifts from the possibility to now I'm looking at a specific time. How many times in Israel's history, when men rose up against them, could it have gone either way? But because the Lord was on their, uh, on their side, it went a very specific way. I mean, uh, to me, I think of the Red Sea. Uh, there is no reason or no odds outside of God that the uh, Israelite people should have left and gotten away from the Egyptians. But they did because God was on that, their side. But other than that, I think that's pretty much all I had uh, written down for the first two verses. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, verse three, 
then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. What do you have there, Hasten? Uh, so, um, funny enough, I'm using the King James Version because that's just what I've always used. But uh, everything that's different uh, in the ESV and ASV I have put in because it gives a very clear picture. Just the difference between they had or they would have in verse 3. That difference between being quick and alive. But it goes right back to that idea of uh, the crossing of the Red Sea. Uh, If it had not been God, they would have been swallowed up by a physical flood at that point. I mean, we think even literally Jonah was swallowed up by that prepared fish for him. I mean, you think of that idea of being fully encompassed by some control. You cannot separate. You cannot uh, stop any of it because you think of water. Really, you can manipulate it somewhat. But when there's a flood, you're not going to stop the force of that water. Against these unstoppable, seemingly, forces, God stopped them. Uh, When the spies went into Israel and said, we cannot take this place, these people are too great for us. Only two spies came back and said, with God, we can do this. And we see some of Israel, uh, in fact all of them, had to continue wandering for many more years because of their lack of faith. But that thought of being on the Lord's side and relying on him has that great idea. In fact, even verse 4, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. Noah's faith and trust in God and reliance on God, he literally would have been swallowed up in the flood because uh, it's because of his faith. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, that it's mentioned that he was pleasing before the Lord because of his faith. Uh, And just that idea in verse 5 of the proud or the raging waters, uh, that idea of the flood that no man can stop, but God can. Uh, I think that's just about all I really have. That is great. And I've underlined one thing we're going to notice in this Uh, David uses repetitive words for emphasis, uh, if not have been for the Lord, if it had not been for the Lord, uh, verses three through five, then they would have, then the flood, then over us would have gone. Uh, You see the phrase against us or over us uh, mentioned multiple times. and, And I think you're absolutely right. And it goes back to what you were saying as far as the insurmountable odds, nothing about them escaping Egypt. Nothing about David defeating Goliath. Nothing about uh, the victories that he had. You go back to Joshua, you know, and, and Jericho. Uh, you go back to um, uh, various instances in uh, Israel's history when they were victorious over uh, individuals that they uh, were outnumbered. Gideon, three hundred uh, versus thousands, and you look at it from that standpoint and. You have these 
insurmountable odds that they should not have been successful, but because God was with them, they were. Um, I've put that flood overcoming or flood would have swept us away. Jeremiah seven forty seven verses one through four. Uh, Job twenty seven nineteen through twenty. You go over to Revelation chapter twelve verses thirteen through seventeen, and that idea of a flood overtaking somebody, uh, either a group of individuals or the individual themselves, uh, is used throughout the Bible. And, and how many times have have we seen from a flood perspective, earthly flood, where the waters start to rise, and then it gets to the point where where man. Uh, has no way of being rescued without the aid of someone else. You you look at a flood, for example, uh, in San Antonio, it would flood often, uh, not often, but usually what happens, we'd have a dry spell and then it just keep raining until the point that it would flood in the hill country area. Uh, and there were always news videos of people on their roofs or up in trees that were being rescued by someone because uh, eventually those waters had just gotten to a point where they could not save themselves. They needed help. Uh, the same idea is made uh, here. I like you mentioned uh, the uh, ASV's use and the English Standard's use uh, throughout this. I actually like the King James use of the phrase raging waters uh, because there the King James uses the phrase proud waters. And I think it's a fitting word because any time, and I just put uh, raging equals proud, King James Version, and then Psalms uh, chapter 2, Psalm chapter 2, when yeah. it talks about why do the heathen rage, there's an arrogance man has to possess in order to put himself against God. And when you consider the enemies of God, uh, there's an arrogance that has to be had to put yourself against the people of God, and you look at it from uh, this is talking about the perspective of Israel. Uh, but if you look at it from the perspective of spiritual Israel today, how many men or countries or groups or however you want to call it, uh, the world in general have set themselves against God? There's always a a thread or a tone of arrogance involved in it, right? And, and so I think there's, and and that's deceiving at times because usually we think that the one who is arrogant is confident uh they come in and and they can't be beat because of the arrogance and how many times has an arrogant nation or an arrogant individual set themselves against god and have been humbled i'm reminded of nebuchadnezzar uh in daniel chapter four look at everything that i have built and then for seven years god makes them act as a beast in the field and what happens he I, I think nebuchadnezzar pins chapter four and you read the verse three verses of chapter four and nebuchadnezzar essentially says the almighty is the one that's in control of everything and i'm just a portion of everything that he uh is over and so uh I, you look back on history and and the insurmountable odds against the church for almost two thousand years the church God's word and God himself from a worldly perspective, man has tried to snuff all three of them out. Great empires, great men, uh, great efforts. Yet the church is still here. The Bible's still here. And God is, is not going anywhere. And 
those who have stood against them are just remnants of history now. Uh, and, and that's all they are. And, and so uh, there's confidence that the Christians should have. David is calling for Israel to have confidence because of everything God has done. You and I, as members of spiritual Israel, should have the same confidence David is calling for here. you have anything right. else on three through five? I was uh, going to say you made a lot of really good points as well about like King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you look at just before he said that proud statement of, look at what I have built. A year prior to that, it reads as if it's almost 12 months to the day. He is standing up and Daniel is telling him, if you turn back to yourself, if you rely on yourself, if you turn away from God, these things are going to happen to you. And it seems for a year he did all right. And then he stands on his porch and he says, look at all of this good that I have done. And it reminds me of Proverbs where Solomon writes, you know, two or these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination to him. The first one is a proud look. When we start dealing with pride, we start putting ourselves before God. It would have been easy for David to say after he killed Goliath, look what I have done. But from our accounts, he has never or never said that. Uh, it could have been easy for Moses to say, look what I did parting this Red Sea, but he didn't. We have to kind of go back to the first two verses and say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we have no pride that we should be walking around with because we are nothing special to be able to do the things that God has done for us. And when we stop and think about it that way, uh, you are completely correct about saying, you know, the proud waters, pride separates us from being humble enough to give reverence and honor unto God. Yeah, that's great. Very good. I, I like that. Uh, just as water separate us from whatever islands, so, you know, water bodies of water separate us from other portions of land may separate us from uh, people, whatever it is. Uh, you're absolutely right. Pride does the same thing. How many, yeah. how many relationships have, have drifted apart because of pride, uh, because someone's not willing to apologize or wrongdoing because someone's not willing to swallow their pride and, and be understanding and, and, and those type of, of situations. Uh, excellent, excellent point. Uh, verse six says, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. What do you have there, Hasten? I love that first phrase, blessed be the Lord. It's used uh, 29 times throughout the Bible in the King James Version. And <clears throat> it it really shows the shifting of gears in this psalm. It's not just singing about the strength of God, not just singing about the might of God and the grace of God blessing them. He swaps to show reverence to God. Uh, because he, he hasn't given them up. He hasn't turned Israel away never to pick them back up. In fact, you would even see that same sentiment 
in the book of Daniel, like we discussed a minute ago. When they're in captivity, the Lord never forgot them. He never left them. He never turned away from them. He remembered them. Uh, He never gave them over, uh, as it says, uh, prey to their teeth. He never made them defenseless. He never had them completely devoured and uh, subject to like a vicious attack. They were reprimanded, but they were never destroyed. It kind of brings to mind that idea of First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, where the devil is portrayed uh, like as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. The Lord hasn't given us over to be the prey of the devil either. He has given us a means of escape, just like verse 7. Our soul is escape because, I mean, the example of Christ in Matthew chapter 4, showing how we have that uh, ability to escape the wiles and the snares of the devil by knowing God's word. We have that ability to uh, not be helpless, not be prey, but stand up and and stand out. Even going to verse 7, I really like uh, as well the last phrase on that. We're escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. Obviously, someone trying to trap, harm, hunt them. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. That idea of no more risk of capture. You see, there's a difference between getting out of a trap and the trap breaking. There's always the fear of falling back into a trap or back into a hole if you just skirt by it. But when something is completely broken, there's no more fear. There's no more risk. Just like us today, there's that beautiful hope and that beautiful promise that Christ has died for us. We have that freedom from the wages of sin. We have that uh, hope of heaven. The the wiles of the devil is broken. Yes, we can go back and, and fall back into sin. But he's given us a means of escape. That idea to me of uh, like a bird out of a snare, it immediately made me think of Isaiah 40. And verse, uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That idea of fleeing captivity, fleeing capture uh, and reliance on God. Uh, and then verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. There's nothing he can't do. If he spoke this into existence, if he had the power to do all of these things, he's our hope. If we don't have God as our hope, we are truly hopeless. If we don't have him as our help, we are helpless. Matthew chapter 11 uh, 27 through 30, or 28 through 30, is that idea of offering help. And our help is in, and I would stretch to add only in, the Lord. And the name of the Lord, when you read through Exodus, you read twice what the name of the Lord is. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 15 when he says, I am that I am, that self-existent one. But when he's also talking to Moses on Sinai, 
Moses said, let me see you. But when it was that time, the Lord said, this is the Lord, and goes into explaining who he is by giving his attributes and all of these things. And in that, you see constant sense of help and and comfort and uh, that idea of being an escape for a people who needed an escape. Uh, you see so much beauty in that, uh, what, three verses of praise given to God. Man, that is good stuff. I've underlined, bless the Lord, and I just put mm -hmm. this note, and this kind of goes back to what was mentioned earlier. The more imminent the danger, the more obvious God's protection. And I think that's when we consider our hardships, uh, how much is our faith built? If, if, if we were never challenged, if we were never persecuted, if, and, and I'm using that word just from a, a general sense, because I don't think the church, at least here, I know in other parts of the world it is, but here is not, we haven't been persecuted the way they were in the first century or they have through time. But if the church hadn't been persecuted in general, or the Bible hadn't been criticized the way it's been criticized, or even God hasn't been uh, ridiculed the way he has throughout time by the world, would we have as much confidence in his capability? Uh, and I don't think we would if everything were uh, to use my dad's term, unicorns and rainbows, uh, all the time, would we have the confidence in the protection of God that we do now? I mean, I don't, I don't think that's that we would. I think the trials. One of the benefits of the trial uh, is to see God work uh, and right. to see God, uh, God's protective hand, uh, put on display for us. And, and so, I think that's a great portion of this. Uh, I've also uh, just circled the word praise and put Psalm seven and verse two. Uh, pray, not praise. Uh, the word pray uh, in verse six. And put Psalm 7, verse 2, David used this and said, he talks about the refuge of God. And if he didn't have that refuge, he would have been ripped to shreds like a lion rips apart a, a his prey, uh, which is an excellent um, illustration. Uh, but I also put this point, uh, Spurgeon made this point, uh, and I don't agree with everything Spurgeon says, but I think he has done a very good job in his commentary on the Psalms. Uh, the praise of God requires the acknowledgement of his past protection uh, and his future accomplishments. Uh, and so with that, I just simply uh, put this in my Bible, that we are to have appreciation for the past, confidence in the present, and hope towards the future. And you and I can have that because of God. And he's proven himself over and over again uh, from that standpoint. Um, I like this phrase, uh, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers uh, or from the, the snare of the, the bird hunters uh, for a more modern uh, or, or understandable phrase. Uh, and I put this, let us have the confidence in turmoil that we have after turmoil. And I think that's the challenge. Uh, and then you look at Hebrews 13 and verse uh, 5. Uh, the Hebrew author reminds us that he has, he will not leave us nor forsake us. And then verse six, so we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Uh, and you can look at it from any time, 
I mean, just throughout, it's all over the New Testament. James 1 and verse 2, kind of my bread when we fall into the verse temptations, knowing that it's trying your faith, worketh patience. Then he goes down later. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally uh, and without inhibition. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the uh, Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. And then talks about that we endure affliction so that we can help others. Uh, get through their affliction. We uh, we talk about First Peter three and verse eight. Peter says, "If you're persecuted for the name of Christ, or you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, happy are you, or blessed are you." Um, Four and verse twelve. Peter says, "Don't be surprised at the fiery uh, trials that befall you. Uh, they fell upon other Christians. They fell upon Christ Himself. Uh, it's going to be part of where we're at." Second uh, Corinthians four and verse eight. Uh, we're pressed in on every side, but not crushed. Paul would say Romans chapter eight. I mean, that whole chapter uh, for I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared uh, with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Verse 18, if God be for us, you can be against us. We're more than conquerors through God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Uh, and, and the point being is, is that God, if we look at the past and, and there have been times and I'm sure you've been in moments of hardship where it looks that we did not know how we would end up on the other side. But then as we come through that hardship and the hardship dissipates, we look back on it and we see God's protective hand uh, and we have that confidence in God. God got me through this. God's responsible for carrying me through this, helping me through this. He never left my side. Uh, and then the next trial comes and what do we do? We usually start to doubt. Oh, how am I going to do this again? And I think part of that spiritual maturity is that you end up in a trial. Uh, and I remember a widow. I don't remember the, the situation. Uh, I just remember, and I don't even remember the widow necessarily. Uh, I think I know who it is, but I'm not 100% sure. I remember her statement, though. Uh, she was in a, in a, I think she had lost her spouse. And someone came and said something to her, and she just simply said, I know God will bring good from this, however however it is. Uh, she wasn't enjoying herself. She wasn't happy, but she was optimistic in that moment. And and, and that's, that's have the confidence in God during the turmoil that we have after. We all have the confidence afterwards. Once we're released from the snare, uh, once we're the bird who's free from the cage, it's easy to have confidence then because he's proven himself. Well, let's strive to have that same confidence while we're in the cage and while we're in the snare that God's going to eventually come and release us from it and, and, and all that. So uh, I really enjoy these these passages. I've just highlighted verse 8. Um, and this goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the episode. Sometimes the Psalms just say something. And I can't say it any better. And I don't think you can say it any better than this. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I mean, that it's simple, yet it's profound and it's deep. No problem I've ever had, and I've made, I think we've made this on this podcast before, no problem I've ever had has required the Almighty God to speak something into existence. Uh, my problems just don't go to that depth or to that extreme. and. That's who's helping us. So if, if I've never had a problem that's, and the point is, I've never had a problem that has maxed out the capacity of God's capability. And and, I, and we never will. And, and so understanding that, 
I can have confidence, the same confidence David has in this psalm. Uh, and, and you look through David's life, uh, I would say with the exception of his sin with Bathsheba and against Uriah, every other portion of David's life has had this confidence and trust in God. And I think he's a great example uh, for us. What else do you have? I think you hit the nail on the head with verse 8, uh, because out of all of these verses, I have tiny things underlined and tiny scribblings in my Bible. Verse 8, I kept feeling like I needed to add more to because it kind of looked out of place because there's so little there. There's nothing you really can add because that wraps up so much of our faith that in and of itself is a very profound statement. Our help is in the Lord. Hard stop. We can't do anything uh, that is going to be better, if you will, than what God can do. We can't do more than God can do. He is our help. And it's such a beautiful thought to be able to, as a Christian, be able to say, my help is in the Lord. I do have hope. I do have reassurance. I do have that comfort in the Lord. But uh, other than that, I think that's about all that I have of my little tiny notes. That is a that's a great way to close it. That's a great thought to close in. And um, our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. No better way to to close out this psalm than that simple statement. Thank you, Haston, for coming on. Appreciate your time again. Thank you to those who are watching or listening to this. Like, share, subscribe. Help us grow. Uh, help us pass uh, pass this podcast uh, and the other podcasts uh, on this network uh, throughout uh, and help us all uh, grow closer. Thank you, guys.